This week, we dive deep into Star Wars' most controversial film, The Last Jedi, right here on the High Ground Podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining me to have this conversation about The Last Jedi. This is literally what I wanted to do when I started the podcast in the <laughs> first place. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and, and I've been trying to do everything I can to sneak in little, like, micro discussions about it uh, throughout the time. And so now, now we are here. Um, but I want to start by... Oh, and then also just for housekeeping purposes... Um, I'll be going essentially going in a circle. I start with a different person each time, but you will always go after the the same person if that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, if you do have other points, you know, freaking feel free to jump out and and we'll talk about them as well. But let's we'll start by asking, you know, who are you? Uh, why do you like Star Wars? And also, I want to hear a a top three. And I'm going to uh, my dyad pep first. Uh, I'm Element7 on TikTok, uh, or just in social media in general. I'm a Star Wars content creator. Uh, I get into tiffs with Power Rangers and <laughs> also happens. educate people with <laughs> uh, Star Wars lore. Um, <laughs> why do I like Star Wars? Because it's just the best. You know, the, the, the underlying themes in each movie and then the underlying themes of the entire franchise is just, just hits home constantly with it with each new movie um just in general star wars is like my bread and butter for fantasy world building and character driven stories but um each movie has uh each each movie has a more focused theme throughout every time you watch a different movie there's something different to think about uh and to reflect on um my top three it probably only diverges from your own by one, which is Empire, The Last Jedi, and Revenge of the Sith. And I think after this discussion, it may shift a little bit. <laughs> I yeah, we were just talking before you jumped on that. Um, at least with Mateus and I, I, I mean, I know where this already ranks for, for Brooke, but. After my latest watch, I was like, all the things that I thought I didn't like really weren't an issue, like pretty much at all. And so, Same. yeah, happy. I'm happy to jump back into it. Um, how about you, Brooke? Well, my name is Brooke. I'm a B-Dazzler on TikTok. That's where I post most of my stuff, uh, mostly Star Wars things. Um, Star Wars is, it's a lot. Um I think it's especially special to me now because it's gotten me through like some really tough years, especially in my adult life, especially 2020. Um, I'm sure a lot of us feel the same way. Um, it's been just like a, something consistent. And the more I like dive into it, the more I love it. Cause there's just so much, uh, like, I don't think you can go like, you can't know everything even if you spend your entire life, like, studying it so it's just really awesome challenge accepted um, <laughs> well maybe you guys can but i don't know if i can get there um but I, it's just been really special to me especially this last year and i love all of the connections i've made because i don't have a lot of people in my 
real life that are big Star Wars fans other than my partner. Um, but yeah, so I just love it. Oh, and my top three, um, The Last Jedi is my number one. Um, I battled with that for a while. And then like, I think earlier this year, I was like, nope, it's my number one. And I'm just going to stick with it. Um, and then Empire is my number two. Um, and my head says to put Return of the Jedi third, but my heart is putting Attack of the Clones. So that's where it's going to go. <laughs> nice. I, I love it. I love it. I, and I'm almost contemplating once I finish all the movies to like start the order back up again and just have different people on for those episodes. Because <laughs> like there's some movies like Attack of the Clones where now I know a whole bunch of people that love the movie. But at the time... That was like, I don't know, my fourth or fifth episode, and I just, I didn't. Uh, yeah, so uh, that, that's awesome. Also, in case anyone uh, wants to look really fly or ha- needs awesome gift ideas, um, I see someone has some amazing uh, clone trooper earrings. Are those clones? Yeah, ca- I wear Captain Rex today. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Brooke also um, makes and sells those too, but we'll, we'll plug your store a little bit later. <laughs> And last but not least, Mateus, uh, you're go. Yeah, I, I'm uh, Mateus Ward. Uh, I'm an actor. Um, I have recently fallen uh, blast backwards into the Star Wars TikTok community, and I couldn't be happier. Um, on TikTok, I'm just Mateus Ward. I'm Mateus Ward on on everything, um, uh, on all social media platforms. Um, but I started doing I do impressions and I do kind of little skits on TikTok, and I started to lean way too heavily into star Wars, uh, which got me meeting all these fools, um, <laughs> and wouldn't have it any other way. Um, but yeah, so, um, I am a lifelong star Wars fan in the most literal sense. Um, my dad, uh, he, uh, he wanted the first thing I ever saw to be Star Wars. So first film a little baby Mateus ever saw was uh, A New Hope before I could even comprehend it. But <laughs> subconsciously, I knew it was it's already it was already doing wonders. Um, ah, you barely adopted Star Wars. I was born. Yeah, I was born in it. <laughs> I was by it. Um, yeah, so um, there's no me pre-Star Wars. It's a, it's a staple and a constant in my life. Uh, it's something I love dearly. Um, why I love it, I think um, it's, it's a wonderful mixture of escapism and a place to talk about real issues. I think with sci-fi um, and, and fantasy in, in in, in any sort of story, there's always a wonderful ability to talk about uh, themes and to question your world um, without having to kind of be confronted with the fact that that's what you're doing. It's all, it's usually, Star Wars has never been super subtle about it, but, <laughs> but it's very subliminal. It's very uh, subconscious. It's very, abstract so i've i've always loved that i've always loved star wars because it was this idea of you 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 know you bring us into this universe covered in dust and destroyed by an empire and say now let's find the hope in this um Mm -hmm. and i think that's what star wars is is has always been about is um 
it's a galaxy draped in tragedy and it's about the people who find hope within that tragedy. So that's why it's important to me. Um, top three are in constant flux. Every part of me who grew up with the original trilogy and didn't watch the, the, the prequels until, you know, a little bit later um, and kind of was able to create my own world of what the prequels are. And very, I'm very based in the original trilogy and have now recently started to explore my love of the prequels. Uh, but first thing that always comes to my head is episode five, six, and four. Those are, those are my favorites. But um, recently I've, I've opened it up to really finding the movies that bring me the most joy. And uh, it's, uh, and, and I really like the most and are most rewatchable for me. And it really, it comes down to um, Empire Strikes Back is kind of always going to be my first. Um, and then Rogue One. And I've found that Last Jedi and uh, Return of the Jedi are. I could I could turn them on and watch them for the rest of my life and I would be happy either one of them, you know, so it's hard to pick between those two. Um, but recently, again because it's always in flux. Just watch Last Jedi. That's where it's, it's in that third, it's in that third place right now. <laughs> no, I, I, I feel you. Like I was having that same struggle myself. Cause you know, like I said, that they, for me, they always change, especially doing this podcast. They have already shifted for me. Mm. Um, I actually, Oh, go ahead. No, I just, I was just gonna say in the vein of meeting new people, thanks to Star Wars TikTok, I want to start saying this when I knew, meet someone new, found someone you have. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> found someone you have. Uh, so oh, for, for me, um, like for instance, Rogue One used to be dead last on my list. Um, hmm. A lot of people find that strange until I did the Rogue One episode and I saw some of this, these extra things that I just never saw before. So yeah, I for me top three um, have been uh, for for the longest time it was Empire, uh, Return of the Jedi, the last the last Jedi, and then earlier this summer the last Jedi jumped up, um, and I, I fear it might make a, another jump after this. But yeah, we will definitely see. But uh, I do agree with you, Mateus. I mean, Star Wars has this; it's wrapped up in a very simple child's power fantasy you know uh good and bad you know uh story there is all these subtle nuances and depth that is just suddenly there out of nowhere and that's something you can keep uncovering and it helps us to i mean it helps us all to to grow it certainly helped me through this year which is it's been a weird year uh, <laughs> but you guys have all been awesome i'm stoked i found you guys now that we're through all the mushy stuff. Um, all right, so quick uh, lightning round because we really want to hit get to the meat of this. So how did you feel walking into The Last Jedi and how did you feel walking out? Uh, Brooke, we're going to you first. Uh, okay, um, well, Star Wars wasn't something I like grew up with, so I didn't start to like really be invested in it until after I saw The Last Jedi in theaters. It was my first... Um, Star Wars movie I saw in the theater. So I think that's also why I like hold it so close to my heart. Um, so I think I had watched The Force Awakens at some point with my 
significant other like sort of before the last Jedi came out and I was like I knew I wanted to go see it in theater because he has always been a huge Star Wars fan we actually found his original movie ticket for Revenge of the Sith like hiding in a bunch of stuff when we were going through when we were moving um, which was awesome but coming out of it I felt like I was run over by a truck um, because of the like roller coaster of emotions <laughs> that I went through. Um, and like movie theaters are usually really cold, but I like have never sweat so much in my life, like not exercising, being in the movie and seeing it. So I, I loved it. It's great. Awesome. Uh, all right. So that was walking into it. And then how did you feel walking out of it? Um, walking out, it, it, really gave me like it really just sparked my love and I really like I went back I think the next day I wish I had gone back to see it again because I feel like there's so much that I missed but I ended up going and just watch re-watching all of the originals the next day like leading up to um I graduated college like four days later after I saw it um so I just spent like that whole time because I wasn't I was done with finals and stuff just like watching all of the originals over again like re-watching Force Awakens just like immersing myself in it so it really it really sparked my love for it nice I love it and uh Mateus yeah walking into it um every time a, a new Star Wars movie uh in the 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 Skywalker saga comes out, I do a full rewatch um, of the films. Uh, and so I did that before this. So super hyped, always, for a Star Wars movie. Um, and I really, this movie was really jarring. Um, and it very much makes you feel things that you don't want to, you don't want to confront. Um, but I remember leaving the theater really emotionally satisfied. Maybe satisfied isn't the word because that's not necessarily what they're going for. It's more of a, as a film fan, I was like, I just went into a Star Wars movie and I used all the parts of my brain I would use to watch Citizen Kane. And that was a really cool experience. You know, it was really interesting to to be challenged and, and you know, this movie, this movie tears apart at all your favorite things. And and it really has. Uh, and, and, and when I watched it the, the first time, I absolutely adored it. And I love that about it. Um, then I went online. And, uh, well, and then the Fire Nation attack. No, no. We then the Fire Nation attack. <laughs> No, that's that's all good. Um, and how about you, Element? Uh, a couple of things walking into TLJ. I was, of course, worried about Luke Skywalker, right? Because the last time we saw him, they just ended on his face and he didn't get to say much. So I was 100% invested in where he was at his life and what he was going to do, what kind of training he was going to um, instill into Rey. And I was hoping that she was going to be a Kenobi, uh, that they would, you know, connect some dots and throw in some Easter eggs that would connect all the way back to Obi-Wan. But uh, uh, 
I left having all of my expectations completely subverted and I loved it. And I didn't expect we would get so much of what we got that it, it kind of reinvigorated and kind of rekindled my, my flame for lore and uh, the world of uh, the force so much more. I didn't expect it. So when I got it, I was just like, you know, as soon as I walked out, I was like on my phone ordering the visual dictionary and all of the companion like reading material <laughs> just to be good. Like there's got to be some stuff that I missed now that we know about like the prime Jedi and the temple on Octo. I had to know everything. Um, and, and especially with um, Snoke and, and, and what he reveals about Kylo as well. So yeah, expectations completely subverted. Um, and what I got was just magical. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of close to close to me because walking in, uh, I had I liked I mean I I really enjoyed the Force Awakens right and, you know I had seen it a number of times in theaters, um, and we just had no idea what to expect what was going to come next and you know I as much as I enjoyed the Force Awakens it was a little too easily digestible if if you mm. ask me. You know, it was like a it was like a nice juicy hamburger, but I I really wanted steak, and this movie was it was steak for for sure, <laughs> uh, and Mark Hamill's performance was incredible, and every scene was icon. You could take a you could print out just about any scene of the film. I don't even know, I don't even know how that's possible. Um. Yeah, I, I I don't I have no idea how it's possible to frame everything that well, um, but yeah, I I loved it. And as soon you as it ended, I'm sitting in my chair. I was like, oh man, people are gonna <laughs> love this film. <laughs> I, I I literally like I looked over to my buddy. I saw it with. No, that's exactly what I said. People are gonna love this. Uh, so. <laughs> Jumping, all right. So jump in into the film, and um, and I really want to kind of you know, I mentioned it before, but go through this part kind of quick and talk about little scenes that jump out at us. We're gonna really dive deep into each individual character's journey. This one's a little bit more complex because, much like uh, a Timothy Zahn novel, there's three very distinct storylines happening simultaneously. So we will. Uh, We'll jump into Act One. We have the opening crawl until um, Luke finally agrees to train Ray. Until uh, Poe sends Finn and Rose on the side mission, and you know that's when Finn and Rose go on the side mission. <laughs> <As a second. laughs> um, but we'll go to uh, Mateus first. Uh, yeah, no the 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 beginning of the film again. They they start off at every turn. They find ways to subvert your expectations you th you're ready for the movie to start with luke grabbing the lightsaber you know that's kind of where your mind is at because you know that's where it left off you start off there then you see poe and you're like oh my god we're gonna get an awesome you know an awesome scene of poe being a hero and like in the like in the first movie um and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you, what are you, what are you doing? Or, or you agree with him and you're like, 
you know, you're, you're in that mode, but there's immediately visually, not even within conversation yet, there's a conversation that's being had about ethics in war. And it's so, it's so powerful. Um, and also um, a little earlier than that, you get this really disarming comedy scene. The movie starts off with a, a gag um, and it's, it was off-putting for a lot of people. But for me, Star Wars is funny. It's always been funny. It starts off with C-3PO and R2-D2, you know, bickering. It's what that that's Star Wars is it's camp. It's it's, you know, pulp, it's pulpy. And and I I really like that. Um, But, yeah, I think there was definitely reservations because your guard goes up once stuff doesn't go exactly how you expected. Uh, And I think that's what a lot of people experienced right off the bat is. all of a sudden you're hit in the face and your hands go up, you know, like you, you get into this kind of this mode of, of resistance. And I think a lot of people had that. And I know I had that until I realized, Oh, that's exactly where I'm supposed to be. That happened later. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the opening is, is great. I think, um, Ray and Luke, I think Luke's introduction is, is fantastic. It makes sense. Uh, a lot of people forget that all the stuff that they think is from this movie was set up in The Force Awakens. And to backtrack on that, I mean, look, if I were to, if I were to go and say exactly what I wanted to happen when I walked in, it would have been a freaking Rocky marathon cutting back and forth between a, a, a Rocky montage cutting back and forth between Luke training Ray and Snoke training Kylo for their big, huge battle. And, and it was going to be, you know, and that was what I thought I wanted and realizing how much better a good film was than a good, you know, bright lights on a screen to eat popcorn to. Um, that was something that uh, was really um, prevalent in, in, in the film right off the bat is you start by questioning everything. Uh, and I think a film's job is to ask questions and to make you figure out what your answer is. And I think this movie does that fantastically. Yeah, I I agree. I I love it. And uh, how about you, Pep? What uh, jumps out at you in the opening? Um, the entire opening jumps out at me. But I will I will touch on a few things. Um, but the opening itself sets up the film and what's going to happen beautifully. Like I didn't expect Luke to be that way, but I appreciated the way he started because now, you know, for the rest of the movie, I'm expecting an arc of some kind, you know, just from, you know, having some sensibility in how the, how stories play out. And so I, I knew from the beginning, I was like, okay, Luke's at the rock bottom. So we're going to get, you know, his rise in, in some, in some way, shape or form. And then, uh, 
the bombing fleet, losing the bombing fleet, the resistance just it just set up everything with Poe. There's going to be some in, um, there's going to be some internal conflict. There's going to be questioning of orders. There's going to be some subordination happening. And so, like, I, I gotta I gotta ask like people who who kind of hate on this film is like, what were you watching? Um, but you know, we'll we'll get into it with, with our deep dive. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to just talk about the one of the one of the bigger criticisms of ray is her fight with kylo and i just wanted to point out you know this film and maybe all of the films do this but this film in particular does a lot of the legwork for you okay star wars is is famous for nuance and even Filoni says, we don't tell you everything because part of the best thing about Star Wars is letting the fans speculate. Well, this this film literally answers all of your questions. When someone asks, how, how did Rey beat Kylo? Snoke is literally right there saying, the deed split your spirit. You were bested by a girl who never held a lightsaber. You failed. And so it's like, yeah, there it is. There's your answer. He was split. He was torn from killing Han. And he was also physically injured but you know they spent the entire movie telling you how powerful it was yeah you know all of these all of these setups and payoffs people aren't paying attention to um and the final thing i want to talk about or just the, the final thing that jumps out at me is uh daisy ridley's acting on the island is just so like brilliant you know, subtle nuances in her in her twitching and her facial movements. When she's watching Luke uh, drink from the Thalassiran and the Thalassiran like looks at her and she just like looks away, like kind of like, I can't face you right now because he just like, you know, he just milked you. <laughs> I was like, wow, just those subtle kind of um, acting bits that she throws in there. Uh, I, I was just super impressed by it. And I also want to decipher what the Unity tree was whispering to her mm. to mm. this day. I, I, I don't think it's been deciphered. It's <laughs> a good point. I like it. And uh, how about you, Brooke? Yeah. Um, I feel like you guys hit a lot of the points that I had also put down. Um, but I really want to mention just how much I love the cinematography. I feel like that's the least controversial part of this movie yes. is that even people that hate it say, oh, it's still a beautiful film. Um, I, I love how much that you still get like the exciting action and the fight scenes of Star Wars. But then especially in like the first whole like fight scene um, and through even then like Kylo is attacking the First Order and he has that moment with Leia. Like you still have these really beautiful, like intimate moments with like close ups of the characters and it's just so beautiful. And the actors did just like a phenomenal job with that. Even the actress that played Paige, we saw her for maybe four minutes out of the entire movie, maybe less than that. And I like still think about that whole scene because of how beautiful it was. Um, so I really liked that those like intimate scenes were sprinkled in among the rest of like the action, uh, which I feel like is different than we see in a lot of the other star wars movies um 
I also didn't really mind the humor when people bring that up as like a point. I'm like, yeah, but Star Wars is always campy. Like I rewatched Revenge of the Sith and the like, first like 20 minutes is just so ridiculous. Um, <laughs> while like they're, I'm, fighting, they're bonking while they're fighting on Mustafar, they're accidentally bonking little droids, and the droids go whoop like this yeah. ingrained in in the but world. It doesn't, yeah. So it really didn't bother me. I really liked it. I thought it was like a. It didn't take me out of the 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 tone of the movie too much. It was like a nice like break from how serious the rest of the movie was. Um. And I want to talk about uh, the whole scene with Kylo and Snoke in the beginning, because that I feel like really shows you their relationship um, that we didn't really see that much of in the first movie. Um, and I think like it's it's fleshed out a little more in like the comics and stuff. Um, but you really get to see their like power dynamic between each other. Um, the, when Kylo says I've given everything I have to you, it like splits me in half. Cause it's so emotional. Cause he's, he's like, I've left my family. I've left everything I've ever known to give you literally everything. I killed my own father for your approval. And he is telling him like, well, you still suck. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I thought that sets Kylo's arc up really beautifully as well. Um, and yeah, like element said, it literally addresses the criticism that people have of things that happened in the force awakens, like legitimate, like you're bested by a girl who never held a lightsaber and stuff like that. So I, as much as people say that there's like, Oh, there's too much nuance in the last Jedi. There's really not <laughs> at all. And the if, if you just use, yeah. The nuances, yeah. I think in going like back to Luke, I think like we, you probably lost a lot of the audience once he just threw the lightsaber because that was the last thing that people wanted to see. Um, I feel like after that, there were probably a lot of people who were just so pissed that they just stopped listening to the movie. Your Um, hair goes up. You don't, you're not listening. You're looking for things to make this wrong so that you don't have to deal with the fact of what you just saw. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I really like when, well, this goes with the criticism too. When Luke says, you think I'm going to walk out with a laser sword and face down the entire first order. And that was my, I was like, what did they expect him to do? Like, sure, he is like the legend that blew up the Death Star and is like a Jedi master and stuff. But I just don't know what people, what A, Ray was expecting and what like the audience was expecting to happen. Like, I I just don't think that it would have been the answer for him just like come back and save the day. It would have been really boring. It would have been really boring if that happened. Um, I do really like that about Ryan Johnson and I've, I've read countless interviews and watched things about him talking about the movie. And he says like, I put myself in the character's shoes. So he doesn't write what he wants to see. He writes what he thinks is best for, you know, the character in the story, um, which I really appreciate. Um, and then the last thing I'll say about this whole first section is that I love porgs. 
I don't know if you guys. They look I don't know delicious. if you guys are like pro. If you guys are pro pork or anti pork, oh, Brandon. But I I love them. No, I, I I do like I do like the porks myself and how they just set up shop and they just became permanent members of the crew because they just couldn't get them all out. Um, but uh, no, I I yeah, I love what you guys are saying. I mean, um, you know, like I said, a a, a smart filmmaker, the film asks something of the audience you know like it could it could have been a fast and furious movie where you just watch a few hours of them just kicking ass um (laughs) but this one it it asks things of the viewer and and i go back to you know um element seven and i just had an an interview with the author daniel jose um uh What's his last name? Older, older, <laughs> older Daniel, yeah, Daniel Jose, Jose older. Uh, older, um, who is a Star Wars, you know, writer. And one thing that he kept saying, I, we, I kept falling back to, is that good storytellers tell the truth, and that's what this story was. Is it's it's the truth. Um, all of Star Wars has shown us all of this time that no person or organization or anything is perfect or flawless, but that doesn't mean that that it's not good. And there are certain things that exist that are just bad. So I really think that this, this movie succeeded in telling us the, the truth. Luke's not perfect. He can't be perfect. Um, and what he did as a filmmaker is he took each of our main characters, right? He took, um, he took Ray, Finn, Poe, uh, Kylo Ren, and he even took Luke and said, you know, as a good storyteller, he is like, what do they want? Okay, what is the biggest obstacle that we can put in their way towards towards getting that? And that's what drama in a story is. So that's what I loved about this whole first uh, first act is that we got to see that we got to see Ray um, trying to to figure out, you know. Her place. I'm the person that is going to bring him back and he's going to save everyone. And he doesn't. Uh, trying to find her place in it and is not finding it. Poe's like, well, I'm the hero and I'm just awesome. And he failed. His, his heroics are the last thing that they need at this moment. Finn is, um, I hasn't joined the cause. All I care about is just protecting, you know, my friends. And he can't protect him. He can't save Ray in this situation. Every single person, whatever they're trying to do, it's not that. Kylo Ren is trying to be the next Vader, and he's trying to impress Snoke. And Snoke's like, oh, you have too much of your father's heart. Like, done. You're just a child in a mask. Like, he just puts that on. And I love Andy Serkis's performance. And it's it's so, it's so good and menacing. And then when he speaks about... Um, Hux as a as a wild cur, but you know he's talking about Kylo Ren too, and 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 Kylo Ren knows this at the same time, and he's being manipulated. It's I don't know, it just does so much in such a short period of time, um, that, yeah, I was just like, I was stunned when I saw it, and then immediately, like, okay, well now we have to resolve all of these things. This is what's really beautiful about this film is Ryan Johnson is a craftsman. He is a writer through and through. 
he knows film like no one else. Um, and it's difficult because when you look at the audience like reception, you get a really mixed reviews. But when you look at writers, the film is revered in the circle of, of respected writers because it's a well-written script. Just because you don't like something doesn't mean it's not well-written. And there's a lot of things that I think, I think are well-written that I don't like and things that I think are poorly written that I love. Um, and what this film does beautifully is in a good film, your character has to start off thinking the wrong thing. And they have to, they have to find out the right thing. And for the most part, there's usually a merging of those two things to give you, you know, there's your thesis, your antithesis, and you come to a synthesis. And that's what this movie does brilliantly is it goes, you have one person telling you, you know, that this is the right way to do something. And another person telling you that this is the right way to do something. You need to take what you've learned here and find your way of doing something. Luke is not wrong. Ray is not wrong. Kylo is not wrong. Everyone is right about one aspect or another. They all have a valid point that needs to be thought about when you're thinking of making a decision as a character. Ray learns just as much from Kylo as she does from Luke. Finn learns just as much from Rose as he does from DJ. Uh, Poe learns just as much from Leia and his old thoughts of what the rebellion should be as he does from Holdo. And Holdo learns just as much from Poe as he does from her. Which and is why I get mad when people say, oh, it should have been Akbar. But we, we will we will get to that. We will get to that. <laughs> um, but real quick, uh, Element, do you want to finish up? Because you, you turned green in the middle. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think I was saying uh, it's important to point out and latch on to the scene where where Luke says, what did you think was going to happen? That I was going to face down the first order with a laser sword. And it's, and it's important to latch onto that because he's, he's preparing the audience for, for that not to happen. He's, he's literally echoing what the galaxy expects of him. It's not important whether or not he can or cannot do that. It's important that people know that this is what Luke sees that the galaxy expects of him. And so when people, admittedly or when people uh critique the the last jedi with this is not my luke skywalker and say luke couldn't have done that and this isn't you know within his character you 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 were prepared for it he prepared you for it and the same the same just like i i said earlier with the film answering all of your questions for you you know the the, the number one complaint about luke but he saw good invader Guess who else said that? Ray. Ray had the same argument. Mm-hmm. Said, but you saw there was good inside him. And he answers that question then and there. And you you can't be, I don't want to, I say this with a lie heart, you can't be selfish and say that's not good enough. That is Luke's explanation. He he failed his family and friends and failed the the students he was training. And that's a large burden of failure to to bear. Um and we can move on. Now. I think that was my thought. <laughs> also, one of the brilliant things about that line 
is everyone, you know, it's obviously a critique of, you know, Ryan Johnson came to this film knowing this is what's expected of Luke Skywalker is to go and face down the entire First Order with a lightsaber. Um, but at the same time, what appearance does Luke take at the end? He walks out with a laser sword and faces the First Order. That wording is not used lightly because he literally does it. Again, and it's Luke thinks that's the wrong thing. Ray thinks that's the right thing. What do they find? What does Luke find? A new way to do that. He finds a different way to do that. A different way to be Luke Skywalker and walk out with a laser sword and face the entire First Order. And I think that's just that's just complex and brilliant writing. And it's nuanced. And I don't think we should shy away from nuance because what was everyone's complaint in The Last Jedi and what's everyone's complaint with most superhero movies is don't treat us like idiots. We can handle smart filmmaking. Ryan Johnson says, okay, challenge accepted. And everyone goes, wait, I have to work for this. You know, I think, I think for me, that's something that's amazing about this film. And what was something that put me off of it for a while, because once I started seeing everyone hating it, it was much easier for me to just go along with that and to kind of ignore it and ignore the things that I really truly loved about the film because I had no one to talk about that with because everyone hated it. There was such a wild response. And then I realized like, no, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a storyteller. This is a story. This is a, this is incredibly nuanced and incredibly intellectual storytelling and it needs to be appreciated. Yeah. So you don't have to like it, but you do have to appreciate the craft because it's there. Absolutely. I do have a message for star Wars theory in whatever universe that allows you to see this. We're all here. So don't go on your videos or whatever and talk about, I can't find anyone who likes the last Jedi. We are all here, especially Darth Chaco and I, because we're present on YouTube. Our videos are out there. My review of The Last Jedi was there the day after I saw it in theaters. Sorry, just a big, uh, small bone to uh, pick and a booger to pick and all that good stuff. (laughs) That's that's all good. (laughs) Um, Really glad I'm not tech savvy enough to figure out the the YouTube world. (laughs) <laughs> sounds like a whole piece of drama <laughs> I don't need to be involved in. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, let, let's jump into the, the second act because that was that was adding on to the first act, correct? Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so second act, and we're coming to you, Pep, uh, first. But yeah, uh, one or two, I mean, we have we have these, these great four Skype calls. We have, uh, um, you know, Canto bite. We have a bunch of stuff. What what are you, what jumps out at you? Uh, definitely the force connection uh, and Canto bite, and specifically Canto bite because I had the largest problem with this sequence. But after you know my thirty fourth rewatch, I came to terms with it. Um, and that's not to say you need to watch this thirty four times to kind of appreciate the Canto bite scene. But I had specifically went in on like the thirty fourth time, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna try. And yeah, like. Coincidentally, after speaking to Daniel Jose Older, uh, with that in mind, 
like looking for the truth in that sequence. And so with the, 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 the force connection, the, the establishment of the dyad was so interesting to me because, um, like it, it made us think about truly what was behind their connection beyond just her being the girl and him being um, Kylo Ren. There was something amiss there. And um, this, you know, subtle, the subtle touches within their connections, whether he couldn't see her surroundings, she couldn't see his or... Uh, the water droplets on his glove, like bringing them closer and closer together in terms of physical and tactile connection was, was huge. And um, I mean, it all leads to the, that, that lightsaber tug of war where, you know, as Mateus was saying about starting with kind of like starting in one position and ending in another, that was like a mini journey in and of itself with the dyad connection where they were so far apart. Then they were getting so close together with their connections. Then, then they had finally met up with each other and it, it, it ended with them being pulled back apart again, symbolically with the lightsaber as well. And um, the truth with the Cantabite scene is something that we needed. We needed to see. Uh, just just the overall lens of looking at the far corners of the galaxy, how people live their lives, how the galaxy was lived in, and how people thrived in um, in a world where we are so, as I'm going to steal Mateus's word, draped in tragedy. Uh, because like we we often don't visit this subject at all in Star Wars, and I think it's an important subject to visit when everything looks so beautiful everything is so luxurious and you're what you're asking yourself how could this possibly be when there's war happening but then we get the the context there that rose is trying to point out is that people profit off of this stuff and there are corners of the galaxy who where people profit and could care less about the the suffering of people around them or the people who suffer at their expense um, and, or the people who profit at their expense. And it, it, it really recontextualized that sequence for me because amidst that luxury, amidst that, that hullabaloo of the casino, we got, you know, Tamiri and those kids with the fathers and, and stuff. And that was like a stark contrast between the two because that was what rose was trying to point out it's like hey these people are profiting but these people are also the ones who are suffering because of it they have to live this life of um, servitude and they can't really see the best potential in themselves because these guys are profiting off of the the misery of the the galaxy no end it there yeah uh it's all, all the, yeah, all, all the themes in it. And I, I love the appreciation for the Canto Bite sequence because um, I, I think it does get more hate than it deserves. And also, it, to me, honestly feels like it came directly out of George Lucas's head. Like, <laughs> it's like the most George Lucas thing uh, I, I can think of. But, um, yeah, uh, how about your thoughts, Brooke? Yeah, um... I really like their like force connection. I thought that was 
something that was like almost teased a little bit in like the originals because we see like Leia feeling like where Luke was in Empire, but we never saw them actually like FaceTime. Um, so I thought that was really cool. I thought it was surprising to have them like the protagonist and the assumed antagonist to have so many moments together. Um, I really liked, and you know, after seeing the rise of Skywalker and going back and thinking about all of it, it's more like Kylo is this, the ha- other half of the protagonist. He, I think Adam drivers even said that himself. Um, but I just think it was a really cool aspect that the cool direction that they took, especially knowing now that they are a dyad. Um, I also just love how it was filmed. I love like the way that they made the sound and everything. Like they were the only two people in the world that mattered. Um, I, their acting was awesome. I have a note that just says when Ray calls Kylo a monster, he like looks at her and he says, yes, I am. But as soon as he says that his face immediately like drops and like softens as if he doesn't believe what he's saying himself, which is goes into part of his, his arc in this story. Um, so, and that was just something I noticed on like one of my recent rewatches. Um, Cause it was so subtle. Um, I love that this movie ties so much into the other trilogies. I think this section especially has a lot of like parallels and callbacks to empire, which is, I think why I also like both of these movies so much. Um, I love that Luke mentions Darth Sidious, which is really cool because it kind of ties it back to the prequels because we really had no connection in The Force Awakens that was kind of tying any of that to it. So I just thought that was a cool little little insert. Um, what else? I All of the, the throne... Well, I guess we can talk about the throne room scene because that is probably like one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars, not even like the fight scene itself, but just like everything leading up to it. Um, I love that it has. And then even after the fight, the before and after the fight are great. The fight scene itself is awesome, but just like how much symbolism is in all of it. Um, I love how after the fight, when he's like asking, you know, take my hand and everything, it's reminiscent of, Darth Vader and Luke, but not like, um, it's not like a mirror of that. And that's what I really appreciate that. It's it's like not same thing, different font. Um, but it is a nice parallel. Um, I, there's so much to like, think about. Um, the, I was going to say the last, one of the things that I noticed in one of my la- recent rewatches in the throne room scene, I never noticed that Kylo, I never thought that he went in thinking he was going to kill Snoke, but you can see on his face, he, when he gets the idea, um, when like his lightsaber comes back to him, it's like spinning around in front of him. I just thought that that was a really cool detail. I was like, Oh shit. Like <laughs> that's where he gets the idea. Um, and there's so much meaning behind him killing his master. 
Um, I know people get hung up on like, oh, but we don't know anything about Snoke. Like we didn't, we didn't get any information about him and his backstory. It's like, it doesn't matter because <laughs> we didn't have any backstory on Palpatine until we got to the prequels. So what's the, what's the difference? Um, cause it's not about Snoke. It's about Kylo. And I always say it was so important to his story arc that he was, he was to break free from, Snoke's hold and I don't think he even realized the hold that Snoke had over him until he saw Snoke you know attacking or you know torturing someone he really cared about with Rey and so you can see the progression of him getting like frustrated he doesn't even he can't even look at Rey when she's being like tortured by Snoke um and then he gets the idea to kill her I don't think he would have kill him. I don't think he would have killed Ray to begin with. I don't know how that would have played out otherwise, but I don't know. I really like how it happened. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I I, uh, love that. The throne room scene, especially because of something you mentioned earlier um, with how Brian Johnson does this expert job of focusing on people's faces and, and it jumps in and out of the micro and the macro. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's no better than I've ever seen it than in the fight where you're in and you're seeing Kylo Ren's facial expressions change as he's fighting and it zooms out to see the action and then it gets wider and you see Ray over here fighting and then it pans and zooms into her face and she's still acting while fighting. Like, uh, it's just, it's really cool. Small little addendum. I forgot to mention. Every time I see Yoda in uh, in this film, I cry. Um, and it's just so powerful. His lesson is a new lesson. But yes. we also get a harken back to Empire when he says, still looking to the horizon. And we, we get brought back to that quote from Empire. Just brilliant. Yeah, I it this movie is really honestly a masterclass in writing. Um I also think it's a masterclass in cinematic language. Uh and it really it really rears its head in this portion of the film. What Ryan Johnson was able to do with um the dyad connection is brilliant because there's no there's no crazy bells and whistles to it. He took something that he knew from studying film for a long time, we as an audience would naturally put together is when two characters are across from each other, they're filmed from certain angles. And he did that to make us feel like they're in the same space. There's no special effects that puts them there. There's no visual representation of the force. He does a brilliant job of putting them in the same scene without actually doing that visually without doing that physically, but doing it visually. And it's just, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, I think it's also a testament to how he works with actors with the amount of import he put into making sure they were both on, on set for each other in those moments, even though they weren't going to be on screen as an actor for me, that's super important, man. I want to work with Ryan Johnson. Cause he just, he, he gets it. 
Um, I, I desperately need to see the pictures of Ray standing there in the rain, super cold in Scotland, yeah. and Adam Driver in a coat all bundled up, <laughs> just, yep. just yep. Out, of, out of the range of the camera, feeding her the lines. It just, I don't know, it just would be hilarious to see. No, but, but, but yeah, can continue with your thoughts on, on this uh, yeah. second act. No, it's absolutely brilliant the way they do that. It also, I mean, the big thing in this act is we challenge our our main characters. We have what they want and what they really need. Ray thinks what she needs is to find out about her parents. What she actually needs is to create her own future. Luke has that that same sort of uh, thing with with um, being a legend or not being a legend or coming back or not coming back. Poe thinks that he he needs to go be a hero. What he really needs to be is a leader. Finn thinks what he needs to do is save Ray, but Ray doesn't need him. The rebellion needs him. So there's this really wonderful push and pull of every character and they each have these two sides. So you have Ray not getting what she wants from Luke or not, not getting what she wants from Luke. So getting what she wants from Kylo and, and he takes this almost not quite mentorship, but this sort of, um, this sort of comfort guide into this greater world. She want, she thinks she needs someone to show her her place in all this. She needs to make her own place in all this. And that's what she has to learn by the end of the movie. And it's the second act of a movie. At the end of the second act, your character has to be at their worst place. They need to find out the last thing they ever wanted to hear. Empire Strikes, the, 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 the middle of, the middle film of a trilogy is the second act of that long, long movie. In Empire Strikes Back, people look back and they think it's, you know, it's so incredible. It, it's always been this incredible thing. But fans were just as mad to hear that, Darth, that Luke Skywalker was Darth Vader's son. You know, my dad always talks about how they were, they thought he was lying. They were so angry. People were so mad um, because that's the last thing Luke wanted to hear was that his father wasn't a hero. His father was mm -hmm. the villain. What is the worst thing, Ray? What is the worst thing that Ray can find out in this movie? It's that she's no one. It's that she's not, she doesn't have the background to give her a Luke Skywalker story. And what's brilliant about this is she makes her own Luke Skywalker story, you know, and that's, that's so amazing. And, and Finn, he gets a push and pull from Rose and DJ of DJ being this nihilist, you know, everything's screwed up anyway. So there's no need to try. And Rose being the absolute epitome of do what's right. Um, and Canto Bite for me, I know a lot of people don't like it. I know people talk about pacing. I can't get enough. It hits a personal string with me. Um, I am deeply uh, 
I'm a, I'm, I'm a big animal activist and they touch on a lot of stuff in that portion of the film when it comes to the commodification of animals and people for this greater thing where, you know, you think this whole thing is beautiful. It wasn't made by the people who are getting the stuff from it. It's made by people who are still put down by this system they created. You know, they're getting everything they want from these little kids who return and these animals who get nothing in return. And it's this really beautiful uh, visual representation of that. She goes, the worst people in the galaxy and two glasses clink together and it's a beautiful like yacht, you know? Um, and I just thought that was a really, you know, it's, it was a risky choice to make. It was a, it was a, it was a statement with, with Canto by Ryan Johnson makes a statement. Um, and it's probably really off-putting to a lot of people along keep with most politics of this. out of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. 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 Keep politics out of the literal movie about Viet Cong's against an imperial <laughs> colonial force. Yeah. 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 Keep it out of, but yeah, I mean, but we'll, we'll, we'll definitely, uh, so for me, your, your mic has actually just started going in and out a little bit, but, oh, no. but we'll also jump into each individual person's journey along the way uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. towards the end. But the cancel bite angle needed to be, needed to be done because no, no Star Wars movie had ever touched on the subject. Hey, what, what is Signer Systems income and Karelian? Like, what are all the shipyards rolling all of this, right? They're just doing just fine and living their lives, building ships to fight each other. And yeah, I wish I got about. in on Signer Systems. You know, if I invested Ooh. back in the Republic <laughs> days, shoot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and what you oh, said with, uh, supposed to learn from this. And what you said about Ray, um, being she's supposed to be no one and i think that 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 really hammers home um the importance and the impact of ray skywalker she still is no one yeah. and when people say when people say i would rather been she was ray nobody she still is it's just a name and a legacy she's carrying forward she still is no Skywalker was the name for nobodies mm-hmm. it started with a slave with 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 a slave who had a son it's the name for nobodies. Yeah. And that's why it, it, it's so beautiful when it comes back to Ray. I'm sorry, Chaka. I'm pushing this into the deep dive. <laughs> no, no, no. I, <laughs> it's all, it's Look, all good. We knew we weren't going to be able to, to, to maintain <laughs> composure <laughs> when talking about The Last Jedi. Oh, man. Um, okay. And, and then and for, for, for me, yeah, there's, there's a lot about, I mean... Like you said, this second act did exactly what it was supposed to do for all of these characters. First act introduced the largest obstacle that they were going to have to um, overcome. This, the next act introduced for each individual character, you know, basically two schools of, of thought, and neither one of them are going to be <laughs> perfect, right? But um, watching them and watching. Especially, you know, I always say that the each trilogy is like the, the Shakespeare quote of some people are born great, which was Anakin. Some people do great things, which was Luke. Some people have greatness thrust upon them, and that's Rey. And this whole time, she's looking for someone. She She's holding Anakin's lightsaber 
like this is the the torch of the Jedi. Um, and she's trying to pass this the baton. Like, will you do it? Will you do the thing? And she tries to give it to Luke. He doesn't take it. She tries to give it to Kylo Ren. He doesn't take it. Right? She has to accept that role herself because what she's looking for is ahead of her, not behind her. And like the way, I, I don't know. It just it was just weaved in there so so well, and um, particularly you know Poe's journey um, stands out to me because Poe learns that hey, not everyone knows that you're the main character, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And and you can't just throw your life away meaninglessly yeah you can die and go out in a in a blaze of glory it doesn't help anybody you need to help people our our goal is to keep this spark of a hope alive and if there's no one around to do that it dies and the galaxy dies with us that doesn't mean that there's not ever a time that you will have to put yourself on the line and that's exactly what holdo does and that's where the there's such a great nuance in this film where Ryan Johnson is aware that the world is gray, that sometimes you're going to learn a lesson and realize that, Oh, well in this specific moment, I shouldn't follow that lesson. And in this one, I should. And in this certain scenario, Finn should not sacrifice himself in this certain scenario. Holdo should that's nuance. That's life. That's, that's, that's the way it is. And I like that we got away from this black and white storytelling. Well, you know, I mean, that was the way there was, that was the DNA of, of what George Lucas laid down though. You have, you have Obi-Wan saying, yeah, you need to kill this guy because he killed your dad. And then you have Yoda like, yeah, really straight up. I'm going to teach you to kill this guy. Please, please go (laughs) kill this guy. Mm-hmm. And both of them were right, and they both fully believe that. Like, this is the guy that ruined the Jedi. He's been the downfall of the galaxy. I mean, obviously Palpatine was, but you, you, you know what I'm saying. And then Luke realized that killing him may not have been the best thing. And it, it was that same that same um, blood running through it, that same, this is how we win, by saving what we love, not killing what we hate. One of my favorite lines in... In Star Wars, I think it's it's so it's so relevant. It's so smart. I I love Rose. It should be every Anakin Stan's favorite quote. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, jumping ahead, we got the the third act right, which is just all the the crate stuff. Um, also, real quick, I, I gotta touch on Holdo's sacrifice was beautiful. And the way that it was presented was incredible. The visuals, the sound design. I think this movie has the best sound design of any Star Wars film, my personal opinion. Um, and, I think we agree. Uh, well, I mean, I know you agree, uh, Diane. So, <laughs> but <laughs> um, it, it was just such a, a beautiful scene. And no, it doesn't break canon. She was not in hyperspace. She was accelerating to enter hyperspace when she collided. Yeah. Please stop it. Like, 
You're embarrassing <laughs> yourself. Um, also, shout out to J. Kevin Parker for for because I didn't notice this um, for the longest time, but her when she's when she's flying back into the ship using the force, she she splits the the supremacy um, mm-hmm. in, in the hollow projector projector. Which kind of like foreshadows the, the split. I also think I think we I think we criminally missed Luke and Yoda's scene in this in this conversation. We, we, yeah, we are gonna, we're, we're gonna go there though because we're gonna talk all about Luke. We're yeah, go character. Yeah. Um, also, for people that didn't notice it, um, uh, when Leia does fly back to the ship or force pull herself into the ship, she goes into an airlock. Um, some reason people seem to miss that but <laughs> a lot of things missed all right so act Critical three in everyone's in not, not in everyone's wheelhouse when we saw that movie <laughs> uh act three so we we go we make it to crate and um a lot of the people have experienced what they needed to learn their lesson but this is the first time that we are get to see it in action. Um, uh, Brooke, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I do want to mention because I forgot about this um, from like the second. I don't can't remember if this is part of the second act. I think it is. Um, I love the parallels between Vader and Leia that they make throughout the film, um, and those are things I didn't notice until. Shout out to it's Victoria, y'all. Um, who brought it up and like it lives in my head rent free every time I watch it now like this is so cool because we I feel like we expect there to be more parallels between Kylo and Vader because of how it's set up and then it's just totally not and I just think that's really cool Um, but anyway um, going into the third act um, I I just want to shout out to Rose because I really really love her character I hated the hate that she got i think that um maybe if she had a different hairstyle people would hate her less yeah that's what it is like i think it's a bullet point on there like i know what the other things are um but i just i love her so much because she is like the heart of what star wars is all about um she has like absolutely every reason to walk away after, you know, watching her sister die. She doesn't really have any personal ties to anyone in the rebellion other than her sister. Um, she is a mechanic and engineer who clearly doesn't talk to many of the actual rebels. Um, yet she still believes in the cause like wholeheartedly. And I love that line of what it's not about. Talking, <laughs> doing the talking, <laughs> doing the talking. It's <laughs> it's not about fighting what you hate. It's about saving what you love. And that's like such a beautiful theme that should be, you know, throughout all of Star Wars. Um, the whole part with Luke at the end just like blew my mind. Going back now, I love all of the clues that they gave us. Um, but what, like when I was watching it, it wasn't what I expected so I don't think it was what really anyone expected. So I just thought it was so yeah. cool. Like, I know people were mad about it, but I was like mind blown. Um, I also love the little detail that Kylo doesn't even notice that Luke is holding the blue lightsaber that they just destroyed because he's mm-hmm. so like blinded by his anger. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that detail. And it's, I don't know. I think it's really cool. 
Um, I also want to touch on when Ray and Kylo have their last like FaceTime or whatever, when she's getting on the Falcon, she turns her back on him. She closes the door, which I think is really significant. Um, I feel like a lot of criticism of like Raylo, I guess if you want to talk about that as like a ship is that she is like, Oh, he's a bad boy that I want to try to fix, but she never tries to fix him. And she's, she makes it very clear that if he's going to be this way, that she's not going to stick around. Um, so I really like that they did that. Um, I also, one of the funniest comments I've gotten on one of my videos is someone said like, Ray is too strong in the force in the last Jedi. And I was like, she moves some rocks. (laughs) (laughs) The force. We don't see her. Yeah. Like, we didn't see that much else in this movie. Um, and then shout out to Chewie for flying the Falcon with a Porg. And I think it's cool. I feel like it's one of the first times we see him fly the Falcon alone, which is kind of significant because he's always with Han. Yeah, um, how does he know? How does he know how to fly? That's never a good question. <laughs> We've never seen him fly before. <laughs> Man, how did he fly the Falcon alone? It requires two people. Like two people. Maybe, maybe it was fly at the same time. Maybe it was the Porg because the Porg, you know, flies his flight experience. He taught Chewie. Yeah, the chosen Porg. Um, The the personal flight flight experience as a Porg. The 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 fandom menace would take would believe a Porg flying over Ray flying. So, (laughs) you know what? Don't put that in their heads. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but how about you, Matthias? We have the uh, the final act. Yeah, I, I think the final act is is brilliant because of the idea of uh, thesis, antithesis, and uh, synthesis. Um, again, I think one of the coolest parts is the fact that again Luke walks out with a laser sword and faces the First Order, not in the way we thought. I. A lot of people took this, his force projection as some sort of cowardice cop out. I think that's dumb. I think that's wrong. I think, I think people forget what about Luke we really like. Luke is us. Luke has always been us. He's never been perfect. One of the cool things was looking at Luke and seeing him do something that I do when I'm depressed. In the beginning, he leans into this, like, this disgustingness of himself. When he's drinking the milk, he's like, look at me. Look at how awful I am. You know what I mean? And that's really relevant with a lot of people. There's there's an imposter syndrome that comes with something like becoming a legend. Um, and there's a self-loathing and, um, and in the end, there's this acceptance of this legend and realizing that there's a way to do this peacefully. And what is Luke's greatest moment? What does Luke win the day with? It's not his lightsaber. It's the exact opposite. He throws his lightsaber away. That's the big moment in the end of the original trilogy is that he chooses not, he chooses to save what he loves and not fight what he hates. 
That's what Star Wars is about. That's what Luke's arc is about. What I find super relevant, and Ryan Johnson has talked about that scene specifically being his favorite moment in Star Wars, he makes it impossible for himself to hurt Kylo Ren again. He comes to Kylo Ren and tells him, no, I'm giving you a second chance. I did not come to kill you. You know, I can't kill you in this state. There's no way I could even fuck up. Like, excuse me, I don't know where your, where your language barriers lie on the show. <laughs> um, uh, below that. Just a bleep. It'll be great. Um, <laughs> um, he, he comes to Kylo Ren and, and shows him that even if this mistake that I made in the past, I'm not going to try and kill you now. He came in a peaceful way, in an intelligent way, in a smart way, just logistically thinking of creating what people needed to see without actually having to hurt this boy that he's already hurt enough. Um, And I thought that was really a brilliant way to end Luke's journey. I also love the idea that the, 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 the saga starts off with, with Leia coming to Luke in a projection and it finishes off with Luke coming to Leia as a projection. I think that's so poetic. Yeah. I think people forget about the second half of this movie. I think they remember that Luke realizes he was wrong. Luke ends up doing exactly what he said he wouldn't. He realizes that, look, the Jedi Order might be a mess. And I think that moving forward, I think that Ray is going to take that information and learn from that and create the Jedi order in a way that it should be, you know, in, in attempting to make something more perfect, you know, which obviously is impossible, but in an attempt to make it better. Um, and he, um, he learns that the world needs a Jedi right now. The world needs me to be this figure. And that's something really great. Again, literally the movie, the movie agrees with the audience. Ryan Johnson's not saying the Jedi, that the, the, this idea is, is bad. He's not saying it's good either. He's saying that at certain times we need it, at certain times we don't. At certain times, we don't need Poe to be Luke Skywalker and be, you know, the the hero and be a character in a movie but sometimes the world needs luke skywalker and i thought again it's it's nuanced it's 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 gray this movie is is so gray and i love that about it um in the way that it, it really it really says maybe there are no right and wrong answers when we come to things as a whole maybe certain things are right at certain times and wrong at others. And I think that's, it's an emotionally intelligent film. And that really hits 
home with me of, of kind of opening it up to that kind of conversation, um, which I think Star Wars has the capability to be and has always had the capability to be. And um, it's stupid not to use that. Yeah, absolutely. I think this whole like end scene just reminds me that a lot of people just didn't pay attention to the movie. Like they just forgot the second half of the movie. Cause I've had people say Luke didn't even apologize to Kylo. I'm like, okay, first of all, he did. (laughs) He said, I failed you then. And I'm sorry. He said, I wasn't here. (laughs) And he cried while doing it. I'm sorry. He says, I'm not here to save your soul because he wasn't there to do that. But he does in fact apologize I've had the one of the funniest interactions I've ever had on TikTok is I always ask when people are like, oh, well, Luke's character was terrible in The Last Jedi. I always like I say, okay, then how would you write it better? (laughs) And I use no one can give me a great answer of how it could be better. I've had one person, though, say, oh, well, you know what? He could have been in hiding, but then he, you know, he trains Ray and he comes back and, you know, helps out. You mean my guy? My guy, that is exactly what happened in the movie. <laughs> it's just mind-boggling. And we'll talk a little bit, we'll talk more about the criti- like the criti- criticism and stuff, but like, it's just so funny to me sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, and Pep? Um, I have to echo what Brooke said earlier about um, not expecting that scene on Crate with Luke. Um I certainly de- didn't expect it, and I and I tell everyone this every time we talk about that scene. I the first time it was a hot take. Um, Kylo Ren stabbed him, and nothing happened. I was like, "Luke is this powerful right now?" Um, and then, of course, I came to my senses <laughs> and realized it was a projection. Um, but it, it really is probably the um, to me the most important scene of the of the movie. Um, because of what it symbolizes in Luke's journey. Um, he starts off with Ray saying to say that the Jedi die, that if the Jedi die, the light dies is vanity. Um, but at the very end, when he comes back to save, to save the resistance, he's not necessarily saving the Jedi, but he's saving the idea of the Jedi and what it represents in, in the people's hopes and dreams and what the, the resistance is about. And so he came to the conclusion that uh, no, he he's right. If uh, if the Jedi the if the Jedi die, the light doesn't die. That of course concept is vanity. But what he doesn't, but what doesn't need to die is what they represent, and that's what Luke came back to to represent, or what they tried to represent. You know, like what yeah. what the idea is. Yeah, and um, you know. Building off of what Mateus said about um, about his purpose of being there, aside from rekindling the hope and the and the spark of the resistance, um, I think more than giving Kylo a second chance, he was giving himself a second chance. He his first confrontation with Kylo was, as Ray said, um, your mistake was was thinking that Kylo had already chosen when he did when he hadn't, and so. Luke was primarily there again to confront Ben the way he did it in the, in the first time. The first time he confronted him with the, with the, the thoughts of stopping him and, um, you know, preventing something bad from happening. But this time he came in, he came in in the most Jedi way 
non-violently, and he just wanted to talk to Kylo, all while giving the Resistance the time that they needed to escape. Um, and, you know, when we talk about Luke facing down the the First Order and, and being this kind of monolith figure in, in, in The Last Jedi, and people saying it's cop-out, it's lame... Uh, I do have to ask them what, which Luke were you a fan of the Luke that was, was raging out and almost cut his father's hand off or the Luke that threw away his lightsaber? Because if you were a fan of the raging Luke, you could understand where he's coming from in this movie. And if you were a fan Mm -hmm. of the one that threw away his lightsaber, you can understand why he is not facing down the first order with his lightsaber. Like these two, these two, the, the ego and the superego, they exist. Yeah. You no, know? his darkness from, you know, almost cutting down his father is the beginning of this movie. His uh-huh. throwing away this lightsaber and say, I will not fight you. I'm a Jedi like my father is the end of the movie. Uh-huh. And if you're a fan of either, you got both. And I'm, <laughs> I, I deeply question your comprehension if you're sitting there saying this doesn't make less sense for Luke. Um, so, yeah, I'll end it there. <laughs> we're, getting, uh, um, we're getting a nice segue into the critical response. <laughs> we, we, we are. We are. Um, you know, I, I got to say, I, I do, you know, echo with you know what you guys were saying about about the end of the film um and like almost all of it was covered i mean all of it was covered extremely well uh so i don't have a lot to add i will say that chewy flying the falcon through the crystalline structure of a planet is the most epic piloting we've seen of the millennium falcon mm-hmm. um and in my in my opinion i think that's the greatest millennium falcon feat the second one, again, just my opinion, Lando yeah, flying through the second Death Star. Like, imagine yeah. flying, like, like hundreds of miles <laughs> through this thing without knowing whether or not you're ever going to just run out of space <laughs> and then out of it being chased by an explosion. Um, hey, man, if you've been to Galaxy's Edge, that shit ain't easy to fly. <laughs> <laughs> Is it 12 parsecs? <laughs> I, I guess I mean Kessel Run was cool, but they, they had some help, you know. <laughs> I mean, it was like the the flight through the Death Star twelve parsecs. Ah, very <laughs> close. <laughs> that thing was big. Twelve. Well, according to the the critics, Nemo Outpost was the best feat of the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, just taking a look at the at the time. Yeah, let's. I mean, let's just jump into the the critical and, and public reception, um, and and yeah, just just dive into you know what what we typically see. I know that we've already covered some of it, um, but but yeah, I mean, uh, we'll start with uh, Mateus. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting. I've I've talked to people who are diehard Star Wars fans in my industry who are actors and they've talked about all I ever wanted was to be in Star Wars. And, and, and I don't know if I could handle that with the way that the fans are anymore. And that's, it's, it's a rough thing. I mean, the way um, 
I mean, just in logistical thinking, the way implicit bias is so, it's so clear in the way that people talk about Ray and Rose and, and Finn and, and mostly everything about this movie. Again, things that are new scare people, things that challenge what is comforting to them scare people. Um, it's, it's, it's a human response. Um, I think the people that really like the last Jedi took this as a challenge to, they took what Ryan Johnson did as a challenge to be explored with you. Um, which was what I felt is I was, I never felt, I mean, later on, I kind of, I really got swept up in, in the, the, you know, legendary hatred of this movie. Um, I always knew like the scene between Luke and Yoda is probably the greatest scene in all of star Wars in my mind. And I was like, I guess it's just in a bad movie. And then, you know, I, I, I kind of went from loving the movie to being beaten down into hating the movie to finding a community of people who also liked it and being like, Oh my God. Yes. Finally. Like, I can, I can, I can accept, like, I can accept my love for this movie, which is really sad. I think in the way that people, um, the way that audiences view things is this need for, if, if you don't like something, no one else can. Um, and that's really difficult. It's also frustrating because I mean, for most of the critiques, um, I've heard it's, it's based on, again, you talk about Chaka, you had a great point about, um, about opinions, you know, can't be wrong, but if they're, if they're based off of wrong information and you're playing it as a fact, then we have, we have a problem here. And that's what I've found about this is if someone says that, look, humor is subjective. Um, I, this movie hits my funny bone perfectly. People I know, not a single joke lands. That's art, baby. That's how it is. Like, <laughs> you're not going to make something that everybody loves. And trying to take away a love that somebody has because you don't have it is childish. And I think, um, I think, I think movies are beautiful and, and some things mean a lot to people, you know, and for people to discredit this movie when there's a lot of people who have been really emotionally moved and there's people who this movie is their comfort movie. And there's, you know, like people think about their thoughts first, obviously, but I mean, they gave no thought to whether or not the people on the other side of the the Twitter posts they post were going to be detrimentally affected by what they said. And that's, that's dangerous. So it's disappointing. I think I'm starting to see, Oh, hello. My dog just entered my room. Um, uh, you start to see um, like a velociraptor that learned to open doors. Uh. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. Um, but uh yeah, I'm starting to see 
this be at least with people who like the sequels already last jedi is kind of becoming like oh i think this is the best like the best of the sequels this is a lot of people are realizing like oh this is a good movie we were all being a little crazy you know <laughs> and we're starting to see people come around to it which is really promising and the support that i've seen he was deceived by a lie we all were <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The, the support I'm seeing for for Kelly Marie Tran and John Boyega and 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 that from I like to think our side of the fandom has been really inspiring. Um, and I think a lot of people are having to use their critical minds and flex that muscle to talk about their love of this film. And if anything, it makes us all work a little bit harder, you know, to work on that muscle. And I feel like a better storyteller, a better filmmaker for having gone on this journey with The Last Jedi. And it's been an integral part of how I, um, how I understand people's reaction to film. And it's, it's been really insightful. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a strange it's a it's a crazy monolithic moment in Star Wars uh, history. Yeah. The same way I think the Phantom Menace release was, um, and yeah, I mean, I love the film. I wish more people could get what's so good about it, um, because a lot of their complaints. Again, I think they turned off their critical thinking minds when Luke threw away that lightsaber or when Rose was a woman. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I think a lot of people turned off their critical thinking brains and uh, and watched with anger instead of watching with curiosity and um, understanding. And if you watch this movie with curiosity and understanding and a love of art and a love of Star Wars, it's a beautiful experience. And all the things that you thought you hated become beautiful. And I want more people to like this movie because it's a great experience watching it. I haven't gotten tired of this movie. I've seen it so many times recently. I've just chosen to sit down and watch it because when you love this movie, you love this movie. Yeah. Um. And uh, how about your element? Um, I'm going to hit this with with like a broad spectrum antibiotics um, just so we can get more discussion on the other things. Uh, 99.8% of the reception, the critiques that at least I've heard from people who hate this movie are just nitpicks. And... Mm -hmm. 99.99% of the critiques that are valid are critiques that I've had of it. So, you know, as, as everyone knows, and I'm pretty sure everyone does have their own critiques of these movies, you know, not every movie is perfect, but whenever we talk about the last Jedi, we talk about like small nitpicks or small misunderstandings of when people turned off their thinking caps or took off their thinking caps, as you say. Um, 
a lot of we, we covered a lot of this during our discussion all of these questions that people had why is this happen why did that happen and it's been answered in the movie just pay attention to the dialogue and you will get your answers um you know just off of the top of my head some of the things that um we didn't cover was you know why 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 didn't they destroy the fleet no the dialogue is there they're lighter they're faster they can stay out of our effective range Okay, listen to that while you're watching the movie. You will no longer have that question. Um, uh, Luke tried to kill a uh, kill a little kid because of a bad dream. That literally didn't happen. Ben's like in his twenties. He's not. Ha- he's he's not having a bad dream. Um, Luke is literally sensing um, what I presume to be the the cataclysm of the Hosnian system. And, you know, we get clues that this is a dark side version. His, 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 Kylo's version of events is the dark side version. When, when Luke says, I've only seen this raw power once before. I wasn't scared of it then. I am now. And then Kylo's version of events says he sensed my power and he was scared. So one of these things does not match the other, right? Luke was not scared of it. He was scared of what he would become. Um, lots of clues in the, you know, I just, I really think that if everyone rewatched this movie from the lens of, as Matea said, um, curiosity and appreciation for star Wars, instead of being dismissive from the get go, you, you can glean a lot more information. You can understand more where we're coming from and you can erase a lot of these questions that you have that are clearly answered in the film. And that's all I'll say. Yeah, that's great. And uh, your thoughts, uh, Brooke? Uh, yeah, so I feel like a lot of the criticism that I see, especially on being on TikTok, a lot of the times comes from people that have maybe only seen the movie once in the theater and went home and looked up reviews and stuff on the internet and found the same four YouTube videos, same Reddit posts, all of that stuff. And just that was their deciding factor that they hated it without giving another chance. So anytime I do like meet someone who says, you know, I really didn't like it. I always ask them, well, how many times have you seen it? Did you see it before or after you saw like internet reception? Um, because I feel like those are factors that play into it. Cause you're, if you go into it knowing that, Oh, it's going to be terrible, then you're going to look at it through that lens. And if you only see it once, there's so much that you miss. And what part of what makes a great movie is the rewatchability about it. And so it always makes me laugh when people are like, Oh, it's a good movie, but it's not a good star Wars movie. Like, so you're saying Star Wars movies are bad? <laughs> like, I don't understand <laughs> what you're saying here. <laughs> um, I think people latched on to uh, the things that Mark Hamill had said in the beginning and just took that in stride as their deciding factor. Like, oh, well, the actor that plays Luke Skywalker doesn't even like his character. And his opinion is totally valid. Like we saw his, um, 
his tweet earlier this week, I think like his opinion on his character is totally valid, but that's not to say that he doesn't understand how it happened. Cause then he's come out and said that and reading interviews with Ryan Johnson, he's like, I worked with, with Mark. We argued a lot. We talked about it. Like we worked through it. It wasn't like he was just like, all right, here's your script. This is what you have to do. Because I don't think that he's that kind of filmmaker. Um, And I want to bring another point up because I know like Ryan Johnson, like publicly, like just doesn't care about the hate, but because I really like him and really appreciate him, I feel like I need to defend him. (laughs) Um, But when people say Ryan Johnson doesn't care about Star Wars, he said he doesn't care about Star Wars. I've heard that so many times. And I finally like found someone who actually gave me like a source um, from where that came from. And it was some YouTube video, but I found the original interview that that stems from. And it was an interview about Knives Out. It was not an interview about The Last Jedi at all. So it was a more recent interview. And the interviewer asks him, what is your process, like your writing process when you're writing something original like Knives Out versus writing something that's already in an established universe like Star Wars? And he says that it's basically this, he goes through the same process. Um, And I have like exactly what he says. He says, um, I don't really think in terms of universes or in terms of creating worlds or whatever, that's not interesting to me. And I think people latched onto that to say that he doesn't care about the lore. What he's saying is that he's not a George Lucas. He's not a George R. R. Martin. He's not a world builder. That's not what he's interested in. He said, the only thing that's interesting to me is story. You're still telling a story that is new to the thing that you're doing, and it has to work within the context of that movie. Nowhere in that does he say, I don't care about Star Wars. It's very clear if you look at anything else that he's ever said that he cares a lot. So that's and just also, really frustrating. One of the most lore-packed Star Wars movies. Yeah. Like, what's mm-hmm. really funny about that is that he may not think that that's what he's good at, but he's good at it. Yeah, and it's it's just frustrating to hear those things. And I know that it's, you hear something and you're just going to take it without looking into, you know, fact checking or looking into the story. It just blew my mind when I found that interview and I was like, this isn't even about the last Jedi. He's talking about knives out. It's yeah, it's crazy. Um, And then I I just end up to touch on like, as a, as a woman who likes, the sequels and who likes the last Jedi particularly has been um, very interesting, especially uh, when you take that publicly to the internet. Um, I, cause I've looked at like, I hate the, the whole concept of, Oh, it's just feminist propaganda because that's so, it's so frustrating when I hear that. And because it's not, I've looked, I did a whole like research on, representation of like the male versus female characters in star Wars. And the men always have more lines than the women. They always have more screen time than the women. People are saying the last Jedi has a feminist propaganda when women were only on screen for 40% of the movie. The other 60% were men. It's still unbalanced. And on, on the other side of that, Ryan Johnson writes really great, female characters. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that comes from him creating a general and saying, you can lead an army with feminine uh, tact. 
And like those little things where even though it's obviously we always have major work to do, Ryan Johnson is the most out of, I think, most of the directors who have directed Star Wars so far, um, movies. Um, He has been the most in touch with feminine um, theory, with feminist theory. and, And there is that. But I also think they'll put it on Kathleen Kennedy, the money person. Like, like she has any control. She hired, she just hired men. How is she using a feminist agenda? You know? Yeah. It's, I'm just ready to believe if there's no Anakin on screen, it's a feminist agenda. Uh-huh. I, yeah, we could go on about it forever. Like, and I... Yeah, with Jay there are, yeah. There are aspects of the women in the movie that deal directly with issues that women face. Like when Poe first finds out who Holdo is, he's like, that's, that's the Admiral Holdo. Like he says, that's not what I expected. And my first thought was he expected a man Mm -hmm. because that's what women in leadership face. That's what Kathleen Kennedy faces all the time. And he's like the the battle of something Holdo. Yeah. That's okay. It was like that whole do, yeah, and it's it's just wild to me. And I do agree. I think Ryan Johnson, even like the sequels in general, write female characters really well. Um, yeah. Like I hate when people. I just I hate all of the hate for Ray because I really identify with her as a character. I know. Shout out to Shaylo Ren who always talks about how Ray has a lot more feminine qualities than masculine qualities, and that doesn't make it bad. Just because you can't relate to the character doesn't make her boring or bad. And I don't know what it's going to take for us to get over that hill, but I I don't know. But that's that's all I really wanted to say. (laughs) Yeah. And so kind of where I kind of come down on it myself is, um, uh, again, you know, 99% 99% of all the critique I hear really holds no water. And there's a fully explained answer for it inside of the film. Or it's something that they complain and you're like, that is literally the point of this thing. Um, you know, I, I don't like uh, Kylo Ren cause he's not like, he's no Vader. He's just a Vader wannabe. And you're like, yeah. That is the point. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you are cor- you, you're correct, sir. Um, uh, additionally, it had the misfortune of coming out around the time of the Me First, uh, Me Too movement. Um, that was a horrible. First. <laughs> I'm a. I'm a good cut that. I <laughs> was a feminist. We swear. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it had the misfortune of coming out around the time of the Me Too movement, which lead it, led people to just make these automatic assumptions, right? Um, and a lot of companies were trying to promote things. That's why Kathleen Kennedy had that shirt that said the force is female, and people still talk about it, but she didn't make it. That's a shirt for Nike that was given out at a film festival that she was speaking at. Um, you know, like, c- c- come on. I've heard people say that uh, that Holdo is um, like feminist uh, agenda, and there's not a single thing I can think of 
that Holdo says or does that's gendered in any way that if it was a guy saying it it would be no different uh, and well i think one of the big thing with her is that she's a well-written character that is in a position of power that isn't a i i don't think she is a male character that they switch to female you know what i mean like a lot of female characters feel like that i think her existence is what challenges it because she shows up to fight a to fight a war in a stunning dress and jewelry and um, doesn't take shit from the guys in the room. And that's what she should do. That's just her being who she is. And just that is the feminist agenda. The feminist agenda doesn't agree. It's the <laughs> equal agenda. It's the idea, <laughs> you know. But, but and if like, she was like, a man, if she was a man, like nothing that, that, no, that storyline would have happened. And uh, having, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's just interesting to me because, you know, having a hotshot pilot or a hotshot detective or a hotshot race car driver who their commander or leader disagrees because they're reckless is the, is every movie in the 80s. Yeah. It is 80% of the movie in the 90s. It, it is so prevalent. That's <laughs> just a, a regular trope. Um, but then there are, you know... Uh, Top Gun. <laughs> that's lit. You're writing checks your body can't cash. Like, that's literally what she's saying to to him. Don't don't be reckless. Don't be stupid. And he, he learns from that. So, it's... Um, <laughs> When they I say she just... should have, she should have told Poe the the plan, and I was like, "On what universe? She has no obligation. Mm-hmm. He's being insubordinate, and has a record of insubordination, and was demoted for insubordination. And the entire bombing fleet that was lost came from the Ninka. Yeah, came from her ship. She knew because, all of them. It's because the whole galaxy are big fans of Poe." Yeah, and yeah, he's the lead. I, she doesn't know Poe's the main character. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and then you know an, another, like another criticism that I'll hear is the choreography in the throne room scene. Now <sighs> there are definitely mistakes in that choreography. I I agree with that a hundred percent. I there's one glaring one that I've debunked several times. Uh, yeah, she doesn't kick three people. Yeah, <laughs> uh, three people go for a high attack. She block stops all of them. They're not gonna just stay there. So she kicks one, but the other two pull up. You know. So so she stops but, one of the high attacks, and that guy has a staff. She pu- she parries it to the side, and his staff pushes the guy to his right. Then she kicks the guy in the middle backwards. The the guy in the far um, end of the composition isn't being kicked away. He's no, spinning he just spins off. Yeah. It, it, it's, um, but in, in all, in all fairness, I mean, there, there are certain, there are certain things that could have been tightened up. Um, but the choreography in star Wars fights has never been, has never been the, the best. I mean, a lot of people love the prequel fights and, you know, I especially love, you know, Obi-Wan versus Anakin and Revenge of the Sith and Duel of the Fates. 
But besides those two, there are a lot of really glaring issues. You know, I just uh, posted, you know, one today of uh, of Django Fett just jumping on the ground instead of shooting Mace Windu <laughs> in, the, in the face. Um, mm-hmm. But like when, well, when even Anakin, in that Mustafar fight, there's a there's issues with them kicking each other and not like you know it's mm-hmm. not making contact. contact. Uh, they, they switched they switched lightsabers a couple times. Um, Palpatine has Anakin's lightsaber for some strange reason when he's fighting Mace Windu. Like there's a, a lot of like really odd stuff, but it doesn't matter. I don't know because it was never the purpose of of the fight. Um, right. But so the fight lies in the character, and all that is strong. You know, every move is motivated. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. It yeah. just it just was never. It was never a, a big deal to me. Yes, I mean, there's there's a knife that appears to have gone missing. It, it, it obviously it could have been dropped at that moment in time. But yeah, even if it does go missing gets still less weird than Palpatine having Anakin's hill or when Anakin gets his arm cut off he literally just stops fighting and goes like this <laughs> you know um actually the choreography of that fight is super weird <laughs> where it's just their faces and they're just going like this like they're <laughs> at, at yeah. uh, but that's that's a whole separate <laughs> but critiquing that fight or any fight in particular is just missing the forest for the trees. You know, you're you're not paying attention to what what's really happening. Look, a movie's not meant to be watched frame by frame. Yes, that's not the experience. Yeah, that's why people are always surprised when I say that the the lightsaber battles in the original trilogy are my favorite because they're like, what? They're so boring. I'm like, yeah, but they're- like the but the emotional weight and the meaning behind it is like so much more important than what's actually happening mm-hmm. and it's yeah i think about that a lot and we can, can we dispel the mark hamill stuff if you press play on those interviews and le- and just watch it all the way through and not pause it afterwards he will say he was wrong about it about his thoughts. disney paid him to say that disney paid him well my, my favorite so, so i want is people are like oh but he said he didn't like it more times than he said he liked it and you're like yeah it's because after he saw the movie like you don't keep doing press for the movie afterwards yeah i, I do <laughs> want to point <laughs> i do want to point point this out because people will use a certain clip of him saying something about it and then i will point out press play resume that clip because in the next sentence he says but I have to say, having seen the movie, I was wrong. And then they say Disney paid him to what? Like when? What? When did they have time to inject themselves between the two sentences? In the same thought, he critiqued his character and said he loved it afterwards. They they they, they, they took a bow and arrow and shot the money at him mid thought. The interesting thing for me, and what I always think is the, the why that argument is so stupid. The whole interview, the first interview of him talking about him, you know, I fundamentally disagree with everything that you've done here, is in the documentary Disney made for their own movie. They used it as tension in that documentary, and it's brilliant, but they lean into that. They liked that aspect Mm -hmm. because if people are hearing like, oh, there was drama on set, now I got to see this. The thing is, Mark Hamill doesn't even agree with himself. 
because in the same interview, he also says, um, but I like being pushed out of my comfort zone and I like being challenged because it would have been boring if I was a benevolent Jedi teaching young Padawans, you know, and that's the same interview. So he can't right. even agree. He can't even come to his own consensus. Well, there's a difference between what you think is the best. And I think he had, he dealt with this idea of this is the best, probably the best thing for my character, but I want to swing laser sword around. Yeah. I want to be a character that I imagined in my head for years. When, selfishly. And it's fine to think that as an actor. Absolutely. You want to be that character that you created in your head and loved. And nothing is ever going to reach that. But I think people are mistaking. He's genuinely said, like, I think it's the best, the best Star Wars movie since Empire Strikes Back. He said that in an interview. You know, he knows the movie is good. He liked being on Mandalorian and being hopeful Luke because, again, for the majority of the movie, he didn't get to play that character. Doesn't mean that's a that's a bad thing. It means he didn't get to play that part of his character. Yeah, and um, and the the biggest point is, you know, Mateus, you're an actor. You know a lot more about that acting world than the rest of us, and probably writing and all this stuff. Um, uh, Pep, I, you have a lot of experience writing and ton of Star Wars and ton of lore. And me, I've read over two hundred Star Wars books or, or whatnot. Now, there's and there's a lot of things I can't speak about with the woman's experience. But Brooke, you can speak to all of that. Um, all of which one of ours opinion is more valid than the others? None, none. It's none. all the same. Same as Mark Hamill. So it's cool, even if he yeah. does hate it. Let's say he hates it. He thinks it's the absolute worst thing. I don't think Mark Hamill would want you to hate it. And he specifically said, "Ah, oh, I regret saying it because people will use this to unfairly prejudice themselves against it." He says, don't use this for that purpose. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. That's a whole to, side topic. But we need to let these professionals have their opinions. A a absolutely. Um, but also not force our, I mean, we don't have to force our opinions on, on others. I don't think that's what we're doing here. But, um, you know, also give it a chance. You know, let people like what they like. Don't try to dominate them. And one of my absolute favorite things, and one of the reasons I started doing this podcast is I love when someone gives me their Star Wars rankings and it's wildly different from my own. I want to talk to that person because I got to know why. And it's, it's not that I think I'm a better fan. Oh, your list is wrong because it's different than mine. No, it's... That means you have a really different perspective than mine, and I'd love to hear it. Um, that being said, we are... Uh, <laughs> we're out of time. <laughs> no, we're, we're going, we're, we are going pretty long, but um, if, if we want to each just pick one character uh, to, to kind of summarize their journey and our thoughts on them... Um, the caveat being, you can't pick a character someone else has already picked. All right. <laughs> um, I'll go first then. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am... Uh, I'm going to start with Brooke. Oh, okay. Well, I will 
since I was on the, the Kylo Ren episode, I will talk about Ray instead this time because I feel like I identified with her the most in this movie. Um, I, I really dislike when people say that she never fails because she fails so much in this movie. She, she fails to bring Luke back. She fails to bring Ben back to the light. She fails to get the answers that she wants or the answers that she wants to hear about her parents and later fails to accept what's true. Um, she even, even if it's not for a long time, she allows herself to like let the dark side in, in her first, you know, lesson with Luke. And then she goes into the cave, which was calling to her. Um, she, fails a lot and it's not necessarily like this grand like lord of the rings journey where she you know falls down a mountain i don't know she it's like it's a lot of it is emotional it's psychological it's intrinsic and that doesn't make it bad that's what i love so much about it because that's that's a lot of what failure often means especially for like a woman like i've I talked about this before, um, not to like stereotype too much, but I feel like failure and success are often viewed differently between a man and a woman or what's more feminine, what's more masculine. Um, cause we, and we see if you want to compare it to Anakin, Anakin, he is very emotional, but he views his success as being the best Jedi or say like protecting the people he loves. That's very like, a much more of a masculine trait and ray is more worried about you know self-identity am i do i even know who i am where what is my place in all of this and that's where she views success and failure and i feel like as an audience we project what our own views of success and failure are onto those characters instead of thinking about what that character like putting ourselves in their shoes and what they're actually struggling with um so that is something about Ray's character, particularly in this movie too, that I just wanted to talk about. Um, we see her not to talk too much more about the, the fight with the guards. Like sure. She wins against some of them. If you want to call that a success or non-failure, but like we see her spend half, like the entire fight fighting off like two of them. And then you look over and Kylo's fighting the other six. <laughs> and it's like yeah sure like she very, also clearly does not know how to use a lightsaber very well she's still like swinging it and like missing and not not doing much that um but I, I like that her relationship with with Ben is not what we expected in this movie at all it's not what I certainly not what I expected um it's like going back to what I said about having the protagonist and antagonist spend so much time together because usually it's like the good guys on one side the bad guys on one side and they all come together for a fight in the end but it wasn't like that and I really appreciated that it it humanized both of them um I don't want to talk too much about Kylo but like it 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 even Ray sees you know she's able to see why Kylo Ren is the way that he is and how it happened and she they have more in common 
with each other than they are, they do differences because they find that like shared issue with their identity. On one side, Kylo's struggling with living up, not being able to live up to his family's legacy, and Ray is just trying to find what that is. Um, she spends the whole movie trying to, you know, get Luke to come back and save the world. And then she tries to get Ben to come back and save the world. And I don't even know if she fully accepts at the end that it's like, oh, it's me that has to do this. I think by, by the end of Rise of Skywalker, we see that happen, but she is, she struggles a lot with being the hero and not putting it off on someone else and looking for that in, in other, in other people. So I think that's really cool. I mean, e- even in Rise of Skywalker, they were complaining, like, all you do is sit here and train. We need you. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's always, I've always appreciated how she is the, the exact opposite person of Luke, where Luke never wanted to train. He wanted to be out there on the missions just kicking butt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in that film, I know we're not talking about it, but Ray's like, I, I promise, I after training fully for a year, like, Luke lasted a few weeks before just dipping out and getting frustrated. She she trains with Leia for a year and still at the end of training hands the lightsaber back to Leia and says, I will earn your brother's saber, I promise. It's it's such the opposite character and I think a lot of people still try to put her into the same mm-hmm. uh, mold as Luke and it doesn't fit. And that means it's bad. No, but that's, that's the yeah. point. That's the whole point. And if you're going to compare it to Luke and empire, like I, you, they're very, their motives for leaving their training is very different because Luke is leaving to go save his friends and confront Vader and try to like be the hero. Ray is realizing that she's not finding what she needs with, Luke on the island, so she puts her faith in Ben, and she's leaving for that reason. They're very different motives, so I hate that you like people try to put them in the same box. Yeah, it's it's brilliant the idea of again, and it's a very a, a great commentary on kind of what society has beaten into women uh, is this idea that it's your job to find the man who will save the day. You know, and that's a really smart and and her whole arc is, oh, my parents must be the important part about me. Oh, Kylo is the one who can save the day if he comes to the light. If he can't, then Luke has to do it. And if Luke can't, then Kylo has to do it. She never thinks of herself as being the person who can have the legend. And that's her arc is incredible. She's a such a beautifully crafted and well-written character. And it's so frustrating to hear the opposite because... It's just not true. Even yeah. And even in uh, a... <laughs> oh, no. Go ahead. I was going to say, even in the... Um, when she's with Snoke and Kylo in the throne room, when Snoke was like pulling her towards him, she says, you underestimate Luke Skywalker and mm-hmm. Ben Solo yep. and me. I think it's important that that order, the way that yep. that order was put, is significant. She doesn't think of herself first as the hero. <laughs> Yeah. And I was just going to say, even the way that Kylo Ren says to her, like, you you don't have a place in this story. Like, I, I'm the one who has the place, but like, you're nothing, but not to me. 
so you should be by my side. Um, and it doesn't end up well. But uh, how about you, Mateus? So raise off the table. Who are you going with? I'm going to make you all hate me, and I'm going to pick Luke. Okay. Um, because, uh, again, I, I, I latch on to the character for the same reason that, most, uh, that I think most people do, which is the hopefulness. And I think a lot of people that they think that this movie takes that away. And for me, I think it does the exact opposite and doubles down on it. Because hope in the absence of turmoil is nothing. It means nothing. If you have hope in your life and everything has always gone great for you and you've never failed, what is hope? It's just expecting what usually happens. For hope to mean something, you have to have lost it at some point. Um, and I think that, again, Luke was never a perfect character. I liked Luke because Luke was impulsive, like me as a kid. Luke was overly caring about his friends and would put himself in danger for them and not think intellectually about it and, you know, think with his, with his, with his heart, like me, you know, when I was a kid. I think in a lot of people, I imagine just that taps into their human nature as well. And why Luke is so loved um, by people is he feels like you. He feels like he's working towards the best version of himself. And that inspires you to do so. And I think to have Luke in this movie be not in the role of learning something is a disservice to what his character is there for we are supposed to learn through Luke. And if he doesn't learn, if he only teaches Ray, if he doesn't fail, you have to fail to learn. Yoda says it, the greatest teacher failure is. Luke wasn't, Luke is never gonna be done learning lessons. Neither are any of us. So it's, it's impossible for him to have any sort of meaningful storyline with his history for him to not start off in a place of being wrong. Um, and I think that's something that is misinterpreted because he starts off hermit like, and we have that image, that image sticks in my head more than the image that I love of him at the end uh, because it's so effective. Um, and I think that that blinds a lot of people to the fact that this is one of the most hopeful star Wars stories. Because it, they have absolutely nothing. Every character has lost everything at this point. The rebels are a group of freaking ten people in a in a in a minivan in space. Now, that's where we end. But there's more hope in that. You know, at the end, you're like they're going to do this somehow, because Luke said they could. You know, and I think that's beautiful. Um, and I think. So I was just going to say, especially that the final scene where we have the kids who, I mean, uh, they, they sent the message out. No one came because hope was, had been lost in the galaxy. And mm -hmm. Luke came back and reignited that hope for the entire galaxy. This was the most <laughs> hopeful Luke that we've ever seen and we can see that in these kids talking about luke skywalker and having little action figures 
and inspiring this next generation. We see how much hope he created in the in the very next film. Um, and I just, yeah, it's 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 actually beautiful how much hope. And just like every other Star Wars movie, we no person, no organization or anything is perfect. But uh, you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. And this film even even says that you know he he failed because he thought he was up to the challenge he thought he was the one to prevent the darkness in and ben like they say this in the film you know i thought i could do it because i was luke skywalker but i couldn't do it if you are the only person that you think is capable of doing this and you fail what what are you you know and that's yeah that's why I, I feel like a failure sometimes, and that's why his art means something to me. And the way he says, uh, Leia trusted me with her son, like, breaks my heart. And I feel like people forget that. Like, Leia lost everything during the reign of the Empire. Yeah, she, she lost... She lost, you know, her entire planet. She lost her... What she saw as her family but then finding out that she is the true daughter of Darth Vader she lost her sense of identity too which was never really explored in the originals um but just thinking having that in mind hearing Luke say Leia trusted me with her son like her son was one of the only things that she had I also think that people mistake him exiling himself and cutting him off from the force as withholding help. Luke is having a really intense bout of imposter syndrome. He thinks he's the farthest thing from help. You know, he thinks if he gets involved, it means something worse for Leia and worse for the rebellion, you know, and that's, that's psychologically a brilliant thing to explore of Luke Skywalker, who we all know could help. And at the end does thinks that his, that his, his help isn't good enough. It's not what's going to save them. And that's relatable. And that's one of the reasons I loved him in the Mandalorian so much, because we got to see Luke at the height of of Mm -hmm. his power. The thing that we wanted to see. Now imagine, you know, that guy gets little baby Grogu looks Mando in the eye and says, I will protect this child with my life. He lost every child that he was caring for at that temple. They're all gone. He imagine making that promise to every single one of their, their family. He failed all of those kids. He failed all of those children's families that trusted him with them. Uh, he failed Kylo Ren. He failed the, the Jedi organization as a whole. He failed his new organization by falling into the same trap as the previous one. He failed what Leia. Like, uh, imagine how could you face your sister? She trusted you to help guide him through this darkness. His best friend. Yeah. it's And, and so, like, seeing, you know, him at the height of his power really shows how big that fall was. I, I just think it's great. But um, I just really like this movie, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's real neat. 
He's living. He's living in perpetual with perpetual blinders, you know, because he did shut himself off from the force, and so it's easy to think that like Luke is actively not choosing not to help or or anything like that. He he exiled himself in penance, but in so doing, he cut himself from the force, so he doesn't really know what's going on like to the greatest degree of detail, and we see a sudden shift in his facial performance. He's so good. The moment, the moment when he turns on the force again and Leia is in her little recovery bed and says, Luke, and then he senses her again for after how many years, his face visibly changes from the rest of the previous, how many minutes we got of him. And Mark Hamill's like, great. So great. Uh, by the way, his performance is transcendent in this film. Like, yeah. One great moment that I, I was, when I was watching the film, I was like, I want to mention it. I didn't mention it where I, where I should have, but in the scene when he ignites the lightsaber in the truthful rendition of the three, um, I noticed he doesn't once look at the lightsaber because it's just his instinct. It's just what the what what he has learned. You fight the dark side. So he feels dark. You know, he doesn't look at it. He doesn't realize it until until he actually does. And then that's when he turns it off. So it, it does it again. If he had taken it out and gone, boom, I'm going to, you know, make this decision. There would have been that, you know, that then we would have had that. Oh, he's trying to kill a kid for a bad dream. But like. You know, it, that's not the case. The case is he he had a fight or flight moment. Yeah, we've all said something bad to someone because it was our first instinct and wished we could apologize before it escalated. And, and Star Wars, mm-hmm. just our experiences heightened. So that's what that is. And it's such a beautiful like echo of. Luke's failure at the cave when Yoda told him your weapons, you will not need them. If he didn't mm-hmm. take his weapons, he would have passed the test. If he didn't take his weapon, he would have passed this test. And hearing, you know, Yoda's final words to him, uh, you know, to pass on what you've learned when I'm gone, the last Jedi, you will be. Well, Luke finally did pass on what he learned. And he says, when I'm gone, I will not be the last Jedi. It's just beautiful. But, um, all right, uh, Pep, uh, Element 7, you are up. Who are you going with? So I'm going to talk about Luke. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's it's funny to think about this character and the following, the following thoughts all in the same breath. The Last Jedi is the worst movie of the sequels. Finn was a wasted character. Those two, those two, uh, that's not two plus two equals four right there. Like he, he gets the most development in this movie. Uh, you know, just thinking about leaving the first order and, you know, taking part in the Starkiller base, um, battle in the first movie. Okay, fine. Yeah. There's, there's some transformation there, but that's not, that's not as big as what he goes through in this one. Um, He's he's part of something bigger now, but he still has he still has these sort of moments of of self-preservation where where he'd rather just run away from all of his problems. Um, But this time 
he's at least evolved to caring about his friend, Ray. And so upon trying to escape, he he's like, I have to I have to warn her. I have to get out of here. This fleet is doomed. You know, uh, five minutes, five minutes since being on being in front of like the the war table with everyone is like okay what do we need to do what do we need to do he's like all up in this the planning stages everything but as soon as the as soon as the details and the the prognosis of their survivability is has diminished he's ready to give up again um and you know his journey to his journey to a far corner of the galaxy but when haldo says um, in the farthest corner or, or in the far corner of the galaxy, hope for the resistance still lives. And so in his little side quest, he, he gets to see that people are living, living in luxury and, and life is bustling, but there's also people suffering as well. And it was, it was important. It was important for him to see that side of the galaxy because, you know, he had to come to the realization that he just couldn't run. He was always going to face this. I keep on stealing Matei's word, drapery of tragedy. It's a good word, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, he has he has to you know face the truth of of of, of the galaxy. Um, this 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 suffering needs to end, or at least you need to accept your part in its in ending it. Or else, all you're going to do is just, you know, live a humdrum life and and see suffering or suffer, and um, be uh, be complacent. Complacency will make you complicit in that suffering. And the journey we see from him going to or realizing this truth and taking up arms against Phasma uh, was amazing. Like, I, you know. A part of me was disappointed that that fight didn't play out as as more than it was, but I was happy that it happened because that was uh, leaving the first order to begin with was was um, where he refused to fire his blaster, and uh, you know coming full circle to going to the resistance, joining the resistance cause, then, then thinking about leaving again and only, and only thinking about uh, the good of him and his friends to seeing how the, the galaxy actually lives to going all the way back to the first order and facing phasma at the end. There was a, a wonderful journey to have. And I, I dare I dare everyone who who says Finn was so underdeveloped. The Last Jedi is the worst movie of the sequels to watch again and think about that sentence or those two thoughts together and then think about how it turned into Ray for two and a half hours in the next one. Yeah, for some reason, too. People like to cite like now, like the John Boyega interview that he did and people target The Last Jedi for some reason because of that. And it's to me, I feel like it devalues because it has nothing to do with Finn as a character and everything to do with how John Boyega, the person felt Mm -hmm. like he was treated. And I feel like it 
it devalues that. That was what he was talking about in his interview. It was had nothing to do with his character. And I, I just don't like that people use that as like an argument against against the movie. I mean, in all yeah. fairness, most of those people didn't read his interview. <laughs> That's true too. I, I, I mean, I, I'm just going to say, you know, hard hard stop because I I see things about it. And people are like, yeah, and he that, he hates Disney and all this stuff. And like, no, no, when you read it, he specifically says like, no, this isn't like an I hate mm-hmm. Disney. This is this industry needs to do better in handling people of color, you know. And a, a lot of his complaints are actually about the toxic side of the fan base. But mm-hmm. that's 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 a whole that's that's a whole different thing. Uh, but yeah. Oh, go ahead, Pat. But the, the the last thing I'll say is, uh, um, you, we we have to we have to start letting these actors have their professional opinions, um, and let them be just that. You know, um, Mark Hamill disagrees with the character. That's fine, but that shouldn't inform you or your opinion. You know, Sam Witwer says this. Okay, he said that. That's his opinion. You know, the 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 way that some people elevate these. It was people, wrong, though. Them, <laughs> yeah, like factually, but yeah, it is. <laughs> the the way yeah, some people yeah. will elevate and put put actors or celebrities on a pedestal and what they say as if it's like this. What they say makes reaffirms what I think because they're this celebrity or they're this character. Um, People are always going to, to seek uh, that validation, you know? And I, I think it, you have to, you have to know where you're coming from. You know what I mean? You have to, we need a little more self-awareness when it comes to this kind of stuff of being like, yeah, I don't like this movie. I need to know that when I'm, critiquing certain things that you know yeah but yeah and when, it, when it comes to like professional professional like brainstorming and criticisms and stuff like that and i'm sure Penteus knows this all too well it mark hamill did say this as well like it happens all the time no no film goes through from start to finish pre to post and the actors were like i agreed with every thing that happened during production i've never played a character where i like everyone has their own yeah and so like just just final final thing uh mark hamill also disagreed with george lucas on return of the jedi he wanted luke to to fall to the dark side and if and if he got what he wanted, we wouldn't have gotten Return of the Jedi. He, he also so, wanted Luke actors to be, disagree. <laughs> he also wanted Luke to be ripped, shirtless, with a mohawk <laughs> and a bunch of earrings. Uh, that's that's one thing he said in an interview. Um, and then for Rise of Skywalker, he said he wanted to come back as a spooky uh, Force Ghost. <laughs> I love him so much. So oh, he's the best. He is one of the sweetest guys on the planet. I had the fortune of meeting him um, at a at an event, and he spent two hours talking to me about just the industry and giving me advice and and 
what a what a what a classy guy. And again, he has his opinions, but he's also made it clear that they're his opinions and he would rather people like this movie. You know, he'd rather people have a good time. He doesn't want people to dislike it, you know. But even then, that's not even like a stark and like that's not even an indictment of the movie. Like, no, what he said is is also so little of a critique. Like, it's like it's like I, I disagreed with what what I cooked for breakfast. It's like, well, yeah, well, your dinner sucked then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Mark Hamill disagreed with the direction of the character. He didn't say the Last Jedi was the most horrible movie of the sequels. He didn't, you know. Yeah. So what you're saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying. Uh, also, what you were saying about about Finn, though, just makes me think of how because um, I, I didn't even really put Phasma in the mix as, like I like I should have. Right. Because um, you have uh, Rose who represents the, the rebellion and you have. You know, she represents going all in on a cause because it's the right thing to do, right? DJ, he wants to run. DJ is, you know, sitting on the other shoulder saying, um, none of this matters anyways because there are always going to be bad people and there's always going to be crap. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. You do you. Get yours and get out. But Phasma is survive at all cost. Align yourself with the biggest, baddest people and live there <laughs> um and i it's it's kind of sad to me that they really they kind of sidelined that storyline about phasma um her deleted scene ending was great was, was really good yeah because you know she gets confronted with she's the one that gave up the the shield and all that stuff because all she cares about is survival she's not actually loyal to the first order either um and and finn could go that way too and only care about survival and in the end, one of those has to win out, and that's that's what I love. But um, for for myself, I am uh, gonna have to go with uh, with with my boy Ben. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go Kylo Ren because you know when we see uh, Kylo Ren in this film, he's just he's getting dressed down really badly, <laughs> and, you know, and, and literally, yeah. <laughs> Um, and he, he's been manipulated and cajoled his entire life. This, the speech that, uh, Snoke gives him is the indication of exactly where he stands. And the sad part is that he kind of stands that way with his family too. He's looked at like a legacy. He's, he's named after the, the great Ben Kenobi and he's, um, the offspring uh, you know, he has this mighty Skywalker blood within him, and you know he trained under Luke Skywalker. Everyone is expecting something from him, and he has tried to be all of it at some point, and he's never been able to be that. He needs to find a way to be himself, and that's really what his journey is. And it's, it's he, he's the opposite. And the same as, as Ray in that, you know, because she comes from nothing. But he comes from everything. Doesn't matter which side of the coin you're coming from. You still have to discover yourself. He took it the wrong way and said, um, kill the past. You know, uh, what does he say? <laughs> um, forget the past, kill it if you have to. 
that's not learning from your failure. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's kind of the you know the purpose of of this film. And even though he you know he finally succeeds in stepping into his own when he kills Snoke, he kills his abuser, his oppressor and starts to to move forward. But he loses himself and he's now this same rabid cur that that we were referred to in the end. He he did exactly what he was supposed to, and he ended up with nothing and with no one. Uh, his closest confidant wants to kill him. <laughs> so uh, I I just when I see him, I think of the end of Willy Wonka of you lose, you get nothing. Uh, like good day, sir. <laughs> and he looks up, and you see the last connection that he has with Ray, and. The, the beautiful part is he at no point lies to her. He really does want to be accepted for who he am, who he is. And he's telling her all these things that he believes to be true. Even when he talks about his experience with, with Luke, what he was saying, he said what he believed, obviously he was twisted and he was thinking only of himself and his power and potentially losing it. Um, and that last connection with Ray, and she shuts the door on him. And at that moment, and he picks up the dice, and they disappear. He is alone. He has nothing. Good job. <laughs> it's it's really sad, but I I just I don't um, I really love that um, his journey uh, in this film as as well. But all right, I want to thank you. I know this was a long one. Thank you guys for being willing to to kind of hang out with me and just just nerd out. I was so excited to do this. Um, one quick one one quick thing. Yes. Uh, I, I I totally failed to bring this up during the com- the conversation. I, we don't need to discuss it. But Snoke, he did not bridge their dyad. He was a three way caller, and he hung up as soon as the two of them <laughs> answered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Couldn't couldn't yeah. uh, said it better uh, myself. <laughs> He's the like kid in high kid in middle school who's like, oh, I know these these two people like each other, so I'm going to put them in a group chat, and then I'm going to leave the group chat. Yes, <laughs> exactly. of course, to talk to they're, each other. They were already connected. He just kind of did did a thing. You know? <laughs> um. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and just we'll we'll go around. Um, any you know quick closing thoughts you guys have as well as where to find you um your guys is awesome content and uh your sick ass earrings uh, <laughs> <laughs> and start with brooks so uh mateus uh yeah i am uh at mateus ward m-a-t-e-u-s-w-a-r-d on uh instagram twitter uh tiktok um I'm an actor, so there's a chance you'll see me in the future. Um, if you want to go see something that I had done, I'd acted in and produced. Uh, there's a film called Relish on Amazon. Very proud of it. If you want to be like, this guy thinks he's talking a lot about film. Let's see what he did. Then you could you could challenge me. There. <laughs> you can go watch Rogue Squadron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I prefer pickles uh, to relish, but but uh, but go on. I feel you. Um, so yeah, you can find me there. You can find me on on Instagram and TikTok and uh, 
I'm around. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So follow him. He does awesome content. He does awesome, um, like little sketches and, uh, he naturally just turns into Kylo Ren, but, uh, his Han Solo and Lando is pretty good as well. And as well as others. So check him out. And how about you, uh, pep or element seven? Uh, yes, you can find me on TikTok at underscore element seven underscore. I will take your questions. I will answer them for all things. Star Wars. We are a welcoming bunch. You know, um, if you don't know anything, I will have you know it. And uh, that's the point of my channel. Uh, also, tune in this Sunday if you're interested in discussing with me and Chaco on Diet in the Force, the open world game that's coming from Lucasfilm Games. We're going to dive deep onto that, do some game pitches and do a little bit of a mini game design doc on on uh, on the podcast. Um and I'm on all my, my, my socials are in my link tree. Just go to my bio and go to my link tree. They're all there. They're all different, which just, <laughs> I hate how element seven was so prevalent and taken on all platforms, but what you gonna do? Yeah. And, uh, Yido gaming wants you to know that you are the goat. Uh, and, and I, I for one agree with that. Um, what was their name? Yido gaming. Like yeet. Yep. Oh, well, thank you, Yido Gaming. <laughs> and uh, last but certainly not least, Brooke, be Dazzler. Yeah, um, well, you can find me B underscore Dazzler on TikTok. Um, I think I'm B Dazzler 95 on Instagram because B Dazzler was taken. Um, I don't really post a lot on Instagram, though. So TikTok, I mostly post things about mostly Star Wars, lots of things about The Last Jedi and character development and a lot of funny stuff and all that good things. Um, and if you would like to um, purchase a pair of lovely Star Wars earrings, you can go to Far, Far Away Factory on Etsy. And I sell more than just earrings, but lots of other stuff, too. Awesome. All right. Well, I love you guys. Thank you for, for hanging out with me. Um, this was every week. I feel like it's my favorite discussion, but this one truly is. Uh, but may the force be with you always. Force be with you. You're all the Republic. We are all the light. Republic. And, and also with you. 